Side with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from a basement in the suburbs of New York and nowhere else. That's right. At least for now. J.J. will join me shortly. Uh, I'm so happy to be doing this right now. This is another, this is a bonus, bonus podcast. Yesterday we gave you an emergency pod because the Champions League semifinals had just wrapped up. We were previewing the Champions League final this Sunday. Uh, but we mentioned within that bonus podcast that we were supposed to have had an awesome, cool, special treat for everybody. And that was our conversation with Kate Abdo of CBS Sports, who's been anchoring Champions League coverage here in the United States for years. And um, it was a great conversation. It was so cool of her to give us so much time on a day where she had been working for, I guess, from the start of the day up through, it was like after midnight where she was when we spoke to her. Um it was super cool, and we did this great interview, and then when it was over, JJ and I realized that for whatever reason, her audio didn't record, and it was it was a devastating blow to podcast morale. JJ and I then had to trudge forward, and just the two of us conduct the remainder of the podcast. You could probably tell that there were there were hard feelings. There was much bitterness. It was there was a different feel and vibe to the entire thing because we thought we lost this interview, and we were so mad about it. I even said yesterday that uh, with the power we wield here in caught offside towers uh, someone was going to pay for this and I, and I think that message was heard loud and clear and sure enough uh, sometimes technology fails and sometimes it triumphs and this is a, a, a great moment in technology history because the audio her audio that had been lost it has been recovered and it was sent to us earlier today by the fine people at Squadcast so we thank them and we're so pumped now that you can uh, hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's get right to it. This was uh, JJ and myself talking with Kate Abdo of CBS Sports. You'll be able to see coverage of the Champions League final uh, this coming Sunday on CBS Sports Network. Uh, and here it is, our conversation with Kate Abdo on Caught Offside. JJ, we referenced this before. We're so excited about this. That I was saying the networks have changed, but the, the person bringing us uh, this great Champions League coverage here in the U.S. all throughout has not. And that is Kate Abdo. We're so thrilled to have her on the show now on what has surely been a long few days, long few weeks. Kate, what's up? How are you? I'm great, thank you. It's right, you're stuck with me on Champions League. There's no escaping me. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually wanted to ask you, you know, Champions League, the final is now coming up this Sunday. Take yourself back, you know, two, three months ago. Did you think that we were going to get to this point or were you kind of resigned to the fact that this is just not going to happen? Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, like everybody, I kind of went through ups and downs with it. And so I think there was definitely a period of time when I thought they'll, they'll bring back domestic leagues, but Champions League is just going to be a push too far with the travel and the international nature and all of that. And, and then, you know, slowly but surely, you saw the Bundesliga come back. Then was it straight after that that the French League then decided they were cancelling? And I thought, I have no idea what's going to happen with Italy, you know, Premier League, all of that. And I don't think I felt really fully confident until it was until it was announced that this is how we're doing it. It's going to be in Lisbon. Europa League is going to be in Germany. And there was an actual plan in place up until that point. I just thought it could go either way. One thing that has struck me, Kate, about this new lineup for the Champions League on CBS All Access is you guys seem to have gelled together very quickly. There seems to be a great group dynamic. Like, is that difficult? Is is that something that you you deliberately try to harness? Like, are you inviting people out for coffee to sit down or do you just get together and hope this thing works? 
No, I think we pretty much just got together and hoped it worked because, I mean, the time frame of everything was kind of crazy as well, right? Because of the nature of the way CBS picked up the, the rights so last minute. So I flew over, I, I, can, I think I kind of signed a contract on the Friday. I had to fly over from LA on the Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, so that I could self-isolate for two weeks when I got to London. Because obviously flying from LA, you know, they don't really want people coming in and, and I could still get in because I have the British passport, so I'm okay. But um, I had to self-isolate for two weeks. And then the next day we had, we had the first show as soon as I was allowed out of quarantine, basically. So there was no time to kind of, I think traditionally, yes, you try and go for a dinner. You try and make sure that you've built up some rapport outside of the studio, but it's not something we've really had a chance to do yet. In terms of the guys you're working with, had you met before or was like you showed up on set and it was like hi nice to meet all of you yeah no I hadn't actually met any of them before I mean obviously you know growing up in the UK and then having worked at Sky in the UK for a couple of years about three four was it four or five years ago um maybe no longer than that six years ago um obviously I always watched Jamie Carragher he's a very well-known character on on UK TV and a leading pundit over here Micah was completely new to me because I feel like Micah's really burst onto the scene since I left um Roberto I've watched on ESPN but they were all people that I had kind of had a, had experience of watching but had never seen and I think the exciting thing for me is that I also feel like I've got to see slightly different sides to them as well on CBS which I hadn't necessarily seen before so that's been cool yeah, kid. One one thing I'm really enjoying is the the kind of depth of conversation you guys are getting into. Like, for example, tonight for the Bayern Munich Leon game, you talked about uh, Serge uh, Gnabry and what had happened in England and the way people like me and you who've watched the English game and grew up on it, and Jamie Carragher outed himself for doing this. The way that maybe we perceive a player very quickly, we make a judgment and then suddenly they go abroad and they're brilliant. You must be really happy about that component of the show. Like that's really, really good content that people, it's revealing stuff people don't really know. Yeah, I think first and foremost, whenever you're involved in one of these situations where you're hosting something and you're kind of the the, the journalist in it, you're a football fan first and foremost, right? That's why, that's why you ended up doing what you're doing. And so when there are those conversations that happen that you just kind of sit back and think, wow, this is really interesting. I had no idea. Um, and to hear that, I think it's when you, really when you hear those moments of, of honesty. And I think Jamie has had a couple of really interesting moments like that where he shared things that I thought, God, I, I just, I would never have known. And, you know, we get those off camera too sometimes where, you know, Roberta will talk about his job as, as manager of the Belgian national team. But I think it's just, having the guys in a position where they're, they're comfortable enough to share a moment like that, I think is really cool. Cause it was a moment of self-reflection from Jamie, right? Taking responsibility and saying, I was probably the worst in the dressing room and, and, you know, very quick to judge. Uh, in terms of the tournament itself, look, I'm not saying that it's, it's doable. I don't know how it could be possible moving forward, but this format, like JJ and I have talked about how fun this has been, this like world cup style frenetic pace to this tournament have you have you enjoyed this seemingly as much as uh, JJ and I have? I really loved it. Yeah, I, I know Peter Schmeichel was talking about that on the show today as well. I, I just think it's been you've gotten such exciting games, and you know what it's like. You can because of the home and the away legs that we're normally used to in the, in the knockout stages. 
teams can bank on getting a result at home and then they can you know just just try and keep a clean sheet or whatever they're trying to do away from home so you can get some stale games um and so i think that having this kind of like one and done format has been brilliant and it's why we've had these games that that we've had quarterfinals were just incredible the quarterfinals were, were a brilliant watch kid apart from your knowledge of football which which people can see and and you have been around the game uh, I hit in a long time. That sounds insulting, but you have been rounded. I remember you on Sky, put it that way. And actually, that's not even that long ago. But whatever. What's the point you're making, JJ? Get to it. Oh, yeah. My, my point is, you don't seem to, in, in studio situations, um, you don't seem to get at all thrown or flustered or anything. It's very smooth. And I mean, over a period of time, like, how do you develop that? Like, how? Because we were talking off air. I've spoken to Andrew about this. Before there are some moments I was on ESPN radio for the World Cup two years ago, and and the guy asked me a question, and I just for a second I forgot the name of the player I was supposed to talk about, and it became that moment from Wayne's World where everyone's looking at you, and you you, you your brain empties, you can't think of anything. I mean, I'm sure like this has taken a while to develop, but like, have you any like, how do you do it? I I don't understand. I would panic. I would I would melt. <laughs> I'm definitely still flustered on air. Um, maybe it doesn't show, but there's definitely an, there's an inner fluster. Um, I think, you know, live TV, it's you end up learning to embrace it because otherwise it's just an extremely draining, uh, stressful experience. And so I think that, you know, there were a couple of times tonight where I didn't I didn't know where we were going later in the block because, you know, everybody who you're listening to in your ear, they're also they're juggling however many different moving parts at the same time as well. So there are times when they're trying to figure out, can we go to Lisbon? Is the live up, whatever. And they haven't had a chance to communicate with you. So I don't know, well, are we going there or are we going to a break? What am I doing here? Or sometimes I forget. (laughs) So um, I think I've gotten to a point where I feel comfortable now, kind of more so just like asking live on air, because I feel like the viewer knows it's a live show and I feel like that they will forgive me. I think it's always more awkward when you see a host or or somebody feeling super awkward in that moment. So I think the more you kind of just embrace the fact this is live, I don't always know exactly where I'm going. You're kind of on a journey with me and I'll I'll try and make it as smooth as possible. I I guess that's my approach. Yeah. Me and Andrew would be the super awkward ones. It would, (laughs) the silences would be delicious. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Kate Abdo joining us here on caught offside. Um, so I guess let's look ahead to the final now. Uh, CBS Sports Network will have the coverage this coming Sunday. Um, I find, like many people do, I find Neymar to be just such a fascinating figure heading into this final. He's great. Uh, he's got a winning pedigree. But for some reason, it just feels like there's a lot of fans in this sport that are slow to warm up to him. I'm wondering if if you, I guess, A, see that as well, and B, have any thought or idea as to why there are people out there that can't quite come around on him yeah I I mean I think it's understandable right because I feel like whilst Messi and and Ronaldo kind of have that widespread love where you know one person might think Messi is the best in the game the next might think it's Ronaldo everybody has that kind of that widespread respect for who they are and what they've accomplished with Neymar I think that the you know, the diving, the histrionics, the the attitude on the pitch is often detracted from the brilliance within the game. And so I think he he kind of lost a, a lot of grace with people. 
um, because of all of that. And I think that now that he's more so seems to be letting his football do the talking, his attitude, you know, to in terms of his approach to the game, how seriously he's taking it, um, the way he's kind of knuckled down at PSG, even though he, you know, he'd really kind of pushed for that move away, didn't get it, wanted the big money move back to Barcelona, didn't happen for him. He does really seem to now be more so a leader on the pitch, which I think is probably the part of his game that was kind of missing. We all, he's in the headlines so much for the wrong stuff, you know, the the parties and the one floor for married people, another floor for single people, like all that stuff. That It just totally detracts from the player. And I think, you know, this is the first time. I still think there's a way to go for him because I think had, you know, had it been PSG, well, had it been Neymar, sorry, had it been Ronaldo or Messi in Neymar's position playing Leipzig in that quarterfinals, you would have expected them to put those goals away. And yes, he was brilliant. And yes, he was he was the best player on the pitch probably, but he still let a lot of those chances slide. And so I think it's going to be really telling. I think this will be a definitive final for him in terms of his reputation and how he's viewed. Do you think, Kate, this is in a way maybe the best final we could have had? Because I remember you guys in the studio were so excited before Barcelona and Bayern Munich, like, and, and obviously rightly so. Do you think maybe this this is the this is possibly the best matchup? I think of what we have seen since the tournament has resumed, absolutely, yeah, because they've both played. I know that PSG let a lot of chances go missing, but at the same time, they, there was some fantastic football in that match. They really did look great, and you know, just Angel Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe. There's just so many star names in that, and. You know, Bayern Munich, that performance against Barcelona, it wasn't just that Barcelona were that bad, which they were. They were poor and, and they eventually gave up in the game. I think it was the way Bayern Munich dismantled them. So I, I think, yes, it's it's the best one. You know, in some ways, I always quite like the underdog stories. And I, I lived in Germany for eight years. I have a soft spot for German teams. I kind of wanted to see Leipzig and Julian Nagelsmann go through. I love the story of a 33-year-old coach who's you know, younger than a bunch of the players that we've been watching play in the Champions League. It's an incredible story. Um, so I would have liked to see him go through. I think the the Leon story is fantastic. The way they've put out Manchester City, Juventus, all these teams that have spent so much money and just totally been directed towards winning the Champions League. I love it when a team that's just basically based around the collective and not the star can come through. So on paper, it's the best final. It probably will be the best final. I think it'll be a super open final. I think we'll see goals, which is what you want to see. Um, a bunch of star names and, and some, you know, if you look at like the the Bayern team, it's ridiculous. Their, their bench as well, sometimes I look at it and I just think it's incredible the depth that they have and the number of star names that are in there. The number of players. I was looking, I think there's four or five players in the squad who've already won the treble with Bayern Munich. You know, there's there's so much talent on the pitch. I think it's a brilliant game. Kate, you mentioning um, Barcelona and Bayern specifically, it, it takes me back to a question that JJ and I were talking about earlier this week on the podcast. I'm wondering what you think. Uh, Lyon beating Manchester City versus Bayern beating Barcelona like that. Which one was more surprising to you? Ooh, um, 
I would say the Bayern beating Barcelona because I think the one thing that's been like the running theme with Pep Guardiola and Manchester City is, is he going to overthink it? Is he going to change up too much? And that was kind of the impression that everybody came away with, um, was that Pep had overthought it again. Whereas with Bayern and Barcelona, I think we were all aware that it hadn't been the smoothest of seasons. We all knew that they came into the restart, I think, with a couple of points lead in the in the La Liga table and obviously let it slide away to Real Madrid. There were obvious tensions with Kike Setien and Messi speaking out in a way that you've never really heard him speak out before. So you knew that this was a Barcelona squad in trouble. But Barcelona has for so long now represented like that that team that everybody else aspires to be and the football that everyone else has been aspiring to play. To see that so taken apart by a German side was incredible. And by the way, a German side that also seven months ago, I guess, fired their manager, was in disarray, had all sorts of disharmony in the squad. And and the the different tale of those two teams over those last six months was was super interesting. That was the biggest surprise to me to see to see Lionel Messi and those players give up and just allow Bayern to keep on scoring it was crazy. Kit, you spoke about obvious tensions there. Let's talk about the obvious tensions that no one really has spoken about on this podcast so far between Carraher and Schmeichel. This is this is incredible because I, I, I was doing mental math today and I thought Jamie Carraher would have played for maybe a couple of seasons at the end of Peter Schmeichel's time in the Premier League. Maybe even, maybe more than that. Straight off the bat, Carraher has been stuck into Schmeichel. It's been gripping television. <laughs> I really love the dynamic that's developing between the two of them. I think Peter's an interesting character. Goalkeepers are always interesting characters, right? They have a very different mentality, it feels like, to the rest of the team. They're very, very much individualistic. Um, and Peter kind of dances to the beat of his own drum, I feel like. And I... I love the fact that he almost, you know, he can kind of, he can just kind of destroy numerous people or different kind of concepts within a couple of minutes of, of a conversation. He he has no cares in the world about offending somebody, upsetting somebody, what they think. Kid, I don't mean to interrupt you in your flow there, but this is, we've been talking about this before. Did you hear what he said in full, like in, in full earshot of everyone after Denmark beat Switzerland? Um, in in World Cup qualifying, they had Ireland next, and apparently Schmeichel was in like the mix zone, and he grabbed. Uh, I think it was Granite Jacker said, "I'm so sorry, you played so well, but you'll beat Ireland. They're so bad." <laughs> in front of like everyone, and this got into newspapers. And this has been very personal to you ever since. I've I've never forgotten it. <laughs> the fact I brought it up now goes to goes to tell you. <laughs> Uh, I love him. I think he's great. He creates those kind of awkward moments of television, which you can either think, oh, this is terrible, or you just embrace it. You think this is very funny. Yeah, and I'm sure when you deal with like top class, high level athletes, they're kind of wired maybe a little bit different. I'm sure you've dealt with some weird ones, not asking you to name names, but you may if you wish. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, I I love being around athletes in that sense because I just, you know, especially as as a woman, I've also had the opportunity to be around female athletes, you know, having done the Women's World Cup with Fox two years in a row now, or oh, two years, two editions of the Women's World Cup, you know what I mean? And 
there's something special about athletes like they have this insane drive that that always makes you feel like you're not quite doing enough yourself do you know what I mean like I would I would I remember 2015 was my first time doing a, a women's world cup and Leslie Osborne was one of the pundits on that and she was then the pundit again 2019 and 2015 she said to me oh you know I go on a run every day do you want to come and I was like yeah I love to jog definitely and <laughs> never again I, I mean, we got down the road and I was like, holy crap, is, is this the pace we're going to be going? <laughs> Go on, make it. And I mean, I think she'd like just had a second baby at the time as well. And I've not, never had one and really only had my myself to look after. And she just, she killed me, destroyed me. I never went again. I, I, stopped, I made an excuse. I stopped about halfway around and I was like, I'll see you back at the hotel. Yeah, I was, I was, I had something similar, not, not quite the same um, with, Thierry Henry when he was at the Red Bulls and you know the way you get locker room access so Henry is like stripped off top off like ripped shredded right and I'm like I, I'm just looking at him right and I'm like you're only getting audio JJ and yet when I began speaking to him I could feel myself sucking my stomach in and kind of just put my shoulders back because I was beside this this incredible Adonis but anyway it's enough of me <laughs> um Kate, so for, for the final, I mean, JJ and I have talked about Bayern Munich for a while, and you mentioned the flux that they were in, like, not even that long ago. We kind of view them, I think, as the best team in the world right now, almost regardless of what happens on Sunday. Is there, are you of that mindset, and is there anything that could kind of move you off of that, if, like a, a horrible loss, anything to that effect? I think there are vulnerabilities there, and I think that there are vulnerabilities that, that PSG are in a great position with the squad that they have to expose. So I think that you could come away from it thinking that, yes, they're a great team, but there's things that they need to work on. Um, I, I think they play fantastic football. I think that they're one of those teams that you just really enjoy watching. And, you know, I covered Bundesliga this last season with Fox and to see the way that Hansi Flick, who, by the way, I think at the time that he took over, everybody kind of thought, oh, okay, it's, it's an okay interim you know, manager and interim appointment. Let's see who we can find now who can do the job properly whilst he's just looking after things. He had no top club experience at the time. Yes, he had all the experience with, with the World Cup. But again, he'd always been in, in Joachim Löw's kind of shadow. He'd never been the guy. And I think everybody doubted whether he could be that guy. So to see the way that he has kind of reinstated a Thomas Muller, got, got the best out of pretty much every player on that pitch, managed the dressing room in the sense that, you know, Coutinho comes on and, and plays a role from the bench and he's got all those big names kind of functioning together as a unit and playing great football is is just a fantastic story. I think that PSG could make them look very vulnerable in certain areas. And, you know, Roberto today said it's a 50-50 game, which is so interesting when you think about the fact that Bayern just took Barca to pieces and beat them 8-2 and now they're going into a game against PSG and it's a 50-50 game. It's what you wish for in a final. Do you do predictions or no? No, because I suck at them. I mean, I don't know if you saw, CBS made me do my brackets and I was literally the first one out on the first day. I just destroyed it. Terrible. All right. Well, we won't ask you that then. Um, final one for me, Kate. Have you have you a pre-game ritual? Is there, is there something that you do prior to going on air, before a big game, before a final? 
not at all. My pregame ritual over here has been, you know, the days have been really back to back, like especially quarterfinals and everything. And I, I generally don't get out of the studio till around 11.30 by the time we've wrapped everything up. And then takes a half, you know, I get changed, takes a half an hour to get back. And then by the next morning, I'm kind of rushing up. I'm quickly doing a little bit of prep and then I'm I'm headed to the studio. So breakfast is always something I'm just like trying to grab. So I've been, I've been Uber eating myself um, a coffee from Costa Coffee, if you know Costa Coffee, and a cheese toasty every day. That has been my pregame ritual. It's not the healthiest pregame ritual, but it's, it's what it is. It's all right. Comfort food when you're away from home. Kept me going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, considering how quickly like CBS and the coverage was thrown together, it's been unbelievable. I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, we can't wait to watch the coverage this weekend of the final. We appreciate you taking some time. Kate, thanks so much. Thank you. Good to speak to you, Buck.